0: welcome to another exciting episode of in their 20s the podcast with the best advice as always my name is landon and i am here to welcome a very special guest for our 70th episode we had the privilege of speaking to jason of beverly hills he has become the most famous and premier jeweler for many of the world's most famous celebrities athletes and royalty He's created iconic pieces for people like Drake, Michael Jackson, and also majority of the last NBA Finals championship rings were designed by Jason, including the Golden State Warriors, Los Angeles Lakers, and Milwaukee Bucks. We spoke about building relationships, and we also touched on what he wishes he knew when he was in his 20s. Before we dive in, I want to say thank you so much to our amazing sponsors, Gluey and Collectible. Gluey is the first exclusive marketplace that bridges the gap between brands and creators so they can collaborate, connect, and execute campaigns all in one platform. Creators can open the door to new streams of income by signing up with Gluey where you can work directly with industry leading companies that fit your personal style. You can sign up at gluey.ee and also Collectible which is the number one fractional investment platform for sports. They make the top end of the market accessible to all by creating affordable opportunities for buying and trading shares of iconic blue chip cards and memorabilia. Purchase shares in people like Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, and more at collectible.com. I'll include the links to both of our sponsors in the description of this episode. All right, without further ado, let's jump in with Jason of Beverly Hills to hear his best advice for people in their 20s. So my first question, obviously, is going to be the beginning. I mean, you have become the go-to jeweler for some of the world's biggest celebrities, athletes, royalty um, of the sort. How did you get started uh, with creating jewelry? Um, and how do people get started creating jewelry?
1: Well, I don't know if there's a special formula to, to learn how to get started. And I think that... Um, the opportunity presented itself and I took full advantage. Uh, I was, I was always a very creative person. I enjoyed being creative and I enjoyed people. And, and those two things are what kind of led me to this. And I, and I can, I could, I can't sit here today and tell you that somehow when I was a kid, I was dreaming of being a jeweler. That simply wasn't the case. Uh, but, and you never know what opportunity is going to arise, but I was at UCLA. I was $20,000 in debt and I needed to figure out a way to make money and make ends meet uh at the at the time i went and uh i i wasn't the type to go work at baskin robbins i always wanted to work for myself so i had to figure out some some way to be able to to pay off my debt so at the time i i had a friend that had taken me downtown to the wholesale district in la and at at this place i noticed she was going to go buy some plastic hair clips and silver trinkets by the dozen and i was like wait you buy this by the dozen I, i could totally sell this to the girls on campus uh when i was at ucla so I took my last $400 and bought a few uh, a few dozen uh, silver tchotchke thing hair clips, things like that. And I made a deal with UCLA to set up a six foot table and sell to some of the girls on campus. This gave me an opportunity to one talk to women, two <laughs> have an opportunity to make uh, make some money, and three have a great time. So uh, at that point, I the the university had said no. I asked about 12 times until finally they said yes. I set up a six foot table. And- and uh, I was immediately successful. Uh, by the time I was a senior in, uh, in college, I had six college campuses going at the same time. I would hire people from other college campuses uh, to work for me on commission basis. And at that time I was making six figures a year as a college uh, wow. senior. So I was doing really well for myself. I wanted to take a step further because I always enjoyed being creative. I always enjoyed creating and coming up with new ideas and concepts. And I would sit at home and I would draw different ideas. And I ended up having some manufacturers make just like really low end jewelry make it for me. And I was trying, uh, I would get prototypes made and I would try to sell to girls on campus. And I immediately saw it was a big success. I decided against my father's wishes to not go to law school and continue running my, my fashion jewelry business. But I knew that there was a limit to that. There was a ceiling to how much I could make. And I was there was very little, if not no scalability to my business. So at that time, I, I was fortunate enough to, if I was making $15,000 a month, I was blowing $15,000 a month. And where was I blowing it at? I was going to the nightclubs, I was going to the parties, I'd go out, I was around the Hollywood scene, but in doing so, I was able to meet a lot of professional athletes, celebrities, things of that nature. And I noticed all the jewelry they were wearing. So I said, I can do that. I I can create that kind of stuff. So eventually I, I would go home, I would sit down with my pen and paper and I would draw up tons of designs and I would literally bring them with me, hoping to meet certain people. Like if I knew, there was a certain team playing the Lakers and I knew all the guys would go to this particular nightclub. I was like, okay, well, I know that so-and-so might be here. Let me have some designs ready for him. And lo and behold, finally, after asking so many people and getting rejected so many times, finally someone gave me a shot and said, yeah, you know what, let's go ahead and make this bracelet for me. I had no idea how much it was going to cost me. I had no idea uh, how I was going to do it, but I acted as, I acted as if I've done it a million times before and I outsourced it. I was able to make it make a few dollars and he started referring me to other clients. And then fast forward to today, we have six stores. We do championship rings. We manufacture everything in-house. In fact, we're one of the only true U S manufacturers left in the United States.
0: Wow. Jason, that's remarkable. Um, I know a lot of people have not heard that origin story and it was just super interesting. Um, I want to break a few things down that you mentioned, you know, first off, I know that, um, you know, you kind of, you know, were thrown into this business, you know, it wasn't something that as a child, you mentioned that, like, you know, you knew you wanted to be a jeweler, I do know that you wanted to be an NBA player when you were a child. Um, So it's super cool seeing that full circle moment, though, where you're able to now create these legendary championship rings uh, for the Lakers, Warriors, my team, and of course, the Bucs. So I want to, you know, get a little deeper to the clientele you've been able to bring on. Um, You know, you've worked with some amazing people, I mentioned, you know, those NBA teams, Drake, Of course, I know you've made a crazy um, piece for Michael Jackson. I believe it was a door, if I'm not mistaken. Um, So to that 20-something founder today, entrepreneur, that's looking to build a strong network, build these relationships, um, because you're not just doing these one-off jobs too. You're building lifelong friendships and relationships with these people. What advice do you have for building relationships?
1: Well, I, I think the biggest piece of advice for building relationships is to never discount any single relationship and some of the best relationships came about because I was just simply nice. I smiled, I was considerate. And is, you know, oftentimes I've been around, I've been around business people that will like just discount. like, oh, he's just the bus boy. He's just the waiter. He's just my gardener. He's just the refrigerator repairman. No, bullshit. You don't know where these people will be. You don't know who they know. You don't know who they'll come across. I've gotten some, from clients from the barber, I've gotten clients from their their personal driver, their security guard, but and you know why they were willing to help me and look out for me because I gave them the same amount of respect that I gave the celebrity or the superstar, and I think that that's very very important. Another thing, every you have to make sure that every encounter is a memorable one to everyone you're meeting. Doesn't matter how low or how high they are on the totem pole, make sure they remember you. I don't care what it is. you you'd say a funny joke. You, oh, you are putting a performance on every single time you meet someone new, and you have to remember that. You don't take any performance night off. Every single time you meet someone for the first time, you gotta know that this is, I, I'm putting on a performance. I'm, wh- what am I selling? I'm selling myself. Mm. Because it doesn't matter what product or service that you're selling. At the end of the day, this person is buying you first. And if your product or service is reliable, is dependable, is of high quality and standard, they will come back. But at the end of the day, what opens the door is you, yourself, and that's it. So every single person that you come across, and I I tell this to my salespeople, I said, you're at the grocery store, you're talking to the the cashiers, put on a performance. You're you're going and you're, you're, you're getting your hair cut from your barber put on performance, make it a memorable interaction every single time, because people will remember you. And when people remember you, they like you. When people like you, they're willing to help you look out for you, think about you anytime there's a potential opportunity that comes about. And I think that, you know, you know, I have my salespeople, my stores, and they, you know, they, they only put on, they only show their put their best face forward when a customer's walking in the store. Well, guess what? I built my business with no store. I built my business getting customers every time I I went to the grocery store, I went to the car wash, I met somebody new, I was introduced to somebody. I always look for what I can do for somebody else before I think about what they can do for me. And you have to be able to, this goes to my next point about building relationships is establishing reciprocity. Mm -hmm. Meaning everyone always goes into relationships saying like, what is this person going to do for me? How am I going to get this out of the person? How are they going to help me in this way or that way? Instead, the first thing you should be thinking about every single time you meet someone is, what can I do for them? It doesn't have to cost any money. It could be a restaurant recommendation. It could be a smile. It could be make them happy, put them in a good mood. It could be you notice that they have they have a great pair of shoes on and you're commenting on their shoes. Everyone loves a compliment. But when you do something for somebody... They are more inclined to help you back. It's just it's just the laws of human nature, right? If I if I if I see you and I give you a free pen, you're gonna remember this is the guy that gave me the free pen. But the next time that that you see me, you'll be like, you know what? That was the guy that gave me that free pen when I needed to write something down. I'm gonna do something for that person. These two things, in my opinion, are the most are very, very important into like maintain, building and maintaining relationships.
0: Totally. Um, You know, the business world can be very transactional, uh, which is good. Obviously, there's a lot of money to be made, but I feel like a lot of times we're always thinking, you know, what can that person do for me? Um, And I love how you broke that down, you know, value always needs to be a two way street. Before you even consider what that person can do for you, you know, really go into the situation first and think what can I do for that person. I think that just makes for the best relationships, um, and really can help build sustainable relationships. Um, And the second point that you made that really was amazing, you know, and it's simple, we hear this so often, you know, from when we were children, but I feel like a lot of times people forget about it, Um, treat others how you want to be treated. Um, so it doesn't matter, you know, what level of success you're able to reach. Obviously, look how successful you are, and you still manage to treat people the right way, uh, no matter who they are. So I think that's such a powerful trait. Um, and if someone of your stature can do it, I think a lot of other twenty-somethings today can also do that. So really good advice. Yeah, um, so,
1: I'm not gonna lie. I catch myself sometimes when I'm when I'm, you know, everyone gets in their moods, right? Or I'm having a bad yeah. day or this and that, and and you know, I'll catch myself I said did I give all of me to that interaction and I don't care what interaction that is and I have to I I'm policing myself each and every day to do this to re- remind myself to do that because sometimes when you get far away from wh- how you got started you start to forget the the traits that allowed you to get to where you are and it's like going back to basics and I always have to remind myself to go back to basics even now so I think it's an important important thing to, to remember
0: Totally. And I think that's a great pivot, you know, for my next line of questions. It's about creativity. Um, You know, Jason, you've been in this business for a long time. You've done some amazing pieces, diamond shoes, you know, the lighter ring is actually probably one of my favorites, the championship rings, um, pieces for amazing people. Um, But it seems that every single piece you release continues to become more and more extravagant, creative, and really stands out. Um, So obviously, yes, probably a large portion of our audience, you know, they're not looking to join your business. But I think that this can be relevant to any business. You know, how are you able to remain creative when you've done something for so long? Um, how do you not get bored and how do you continue to innovate and really change this game?
1: Well, I think that it, it you know, it's important to get inspired. Right. So like for me, uh, my most creative moments are when I'm traveling. Um, when I'm on a plane, when I'm going to a new restaurant, going to a new place, uh, new place. When it, when it turns into Groundhog's Day, and you're doing the same thing each and every day, and you walk into your office at nine o'clock, and you check out of your office at six o'clock, you're not going to be creative. You just, you, you, you. I pull my creativity from my experiences, from people around me, from conversation, from you know, just life experiences. Walking around, sometimes I just need to take a walk and walk around and clear my mind. And I think that. That's what allows me to be creative. Another thing is never settling um, and pushing and pushing yourself. Like, you know, when we do championship rings is, you know, it it wasn't enough just to have a cool design. We had to build special features into the ring. Cause you know, I, I want people to be excited for what's next. I, I like putting the pressure on myself to be like, you just can't come out with something ordinary. You have to come, come out with something extraordinary because, because, that's what people expect of you. And I think that that was important for myself because kind of like pushing the limit to go bigger and better and better and better. And, and, and I think that's what allowed me to be creative and also never being afraid. Um, I don't care what other people think. I, when I first did my first few designs, my mother was ashamed of me because she said, you know, you're, you're promoting drug use or you're promoting violence or you're promoting this and I, I didn't raise you this way. I didn't care because it inspired me. It was something that was different. I was bored to death of seeing every every jeweler making the same shit and all of it looks the same, all of it's boring. And I needed to find a way to build an excitement into what I do. And when you're excited and passionate about what you do, it sees, sees itself through to your pieces and the people will appreciate and understand and feel that passion that you have. And I think that when I design, I don't design for any single person other than myself. And if it inspires me and some of the pieces I design, I don't even, they're not even pieces I would ever wear, but I enjoy the process of Mm -hmm. being creative. And you have to like, you want to be creative. You have to embrace it. You have to want it. You have to enjoy it. You have to revel in
0: it. And I think that that's the most important part of maintaining creativity. I love that. You know, just like the famous Apple quote, you need to think different. And sometimes, you know, the circumstance or environment you've been in, you know, sometimes it can be different, difficult to remain creative. So I love that you mentioned that you like to travel, speak with new people, get around, you know, just expose yourself to new cultures and influences. Um, I think that really helps you. And obviously that can help so many other 20 somethings. Um, So I have two more questions for you. One more Um, thing
1: to touch on that. I I would say the biggest thing that gets in the way of creativity is other people, Mm. other people's opinions is, you know, I think back at myself and there was a few times I've like, when I, maybe I wasn't feeling as confident about stuff that I was doing. And then, you know, somebody would be like, oh, that's a bad idea or that'll never work or this or that. I found out that later on that I was like, you know what, fuck everybody. I'm not gonna ask anyone's opinion anymore. And I'm just gonna do what I do. And if it fails, it fails. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. Because what that does, it puts me in a box. It makes mm-hmm. me conform. I don't want I don't wanna create with blinders on. And even I I have a team of jewelry designers that are underneath me and I said, the worst thing you can do is look at other jewelers. I don't want you to look at other jewels and be inspired. I want you to look at nature, architecture, clothing design, furniture design. I don't give Mm. a shit what it is. But I never, no matter how much I hate some of my designers ideas, which sometimes does happen, I I never say I hate it. I always want them to get to the finish line and either we use it or we don't use it. But like nothing kills creativity faster than listening to other
0: people's opinions comparison is the thief of joy another quote there um no i think um, that that's yeah. really powerful yeah i mean it's good you know you don't want to be boxed in you don't want your employees to be boxed in um, you know you really want them to create amazing things so really shouldn't be comparing themselves um or anybody should not be comparing themselves and i think that it's difficult you know with social media and a lot of things um that exist yeah, now it's back. easy media the worst Yeah. 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 But it can also be used positively as a great tool. You know, I got you on my podcast, so you just got to find the best ways to use social media. Um, So two more questions for you, Jason, then we can wrap it up. Um, This is probably a quick one, or it can be a really challenging one. What is the coolest piece that you've been able to work on?
1: Um, I've done so much cool, interesting pieces over the course of my career. uh, But I would say, you know, I don't want to sound like, you know, oh, the last piece was the coolest piece. But, like, I always try – even when we do the championship rings, like, like you brought up earlier in the podcast, I, I've always wanted to be an NBA player. Unfortunately, I never had the athletic ability to ever be one or get close to one or even make a high school, college, or a junior college team. But the closest thing I got was was uh, doing the championship rings, which doing the first Lakers one was, was hands down the biggest individual accomplishment for me because of what it meant to me and, uh, you know – as the little kid trying to be an nba player um but my last ring i did with the milwaukee bucks which had multiple you know had where the top comes off and it Mm -hmm. turns and 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 you know they had a qr code on the inside and it's just like i was so proud of that piece that if you ask me if a single piece of which one you're most proud of i think that even though we've done the world's most expensive shoes and we've done this and that and diamond fish tanks and diamond statuettes and all this crazy shit this is still this would probably still this would be my favorite piece this last milwaukee bucks championship ring
0: of course yeah and i was reading a lot about you know the creation of that piece i understand that you know it started with just a phone call with Giannis, and you know he brought up the qr idea and obviously that was just the idea though. I mean, you really brought it to life and, you know, yeah. made it look awesome. And another thing that I love that you always say is, uh, you know, it's really difficult to create these championship rings because it can only look good for you. It has to look good for all the players, the owners, you know, the team, the fans as well. Um, so I just see. So, yeah. that
1: That's an occasion where I can't decide, I can't design just for myself because exactly. I'm commissioned. To- yeah. Well- <laughs> so <laughs> that one gets tough, but you'd be surprised, you know, you, you, you- We do some of these creative things on the championship rings and not everyone is is cool with it there's some people that are like you know they want to go very traditional and they don't want to have all the fluff and some people they the players typically love all the extras
0: totally yeah no i'd say one of my favorites as well a really good piece uh so my final question for you now jason If we were to go back, you know, years and years, um, we're not going to obviously, you know, say your age, we don't want to say that. But, you know, back to like the beginning of college, you know, before you started really doing well um, with the little college business you had towards the end of college, um, you know, back when you were in debt, back when you did not realize that this was going to be, you know, your journey and you were really going to find so much success in this field. What is that one piece of advice you would have given yourself, um, something that maybe a mentor didn't give you something that you now know, and you would have really loved to know back then?
1: So I think that the, what I'm going to tell you both hurt me very much, but also helped me. Um, and I, I've always been the person that believes the best in people. Mm-hmm. But by doing so, I got burned a lot early in my career because I just assumed everyone's an angel and everyone had my best interest at heart. And, and, I, and I look back and I, was, and I, I when every day, time I think back in my career, I'm like, oh, God, that, you know that one really hurt. Like, why did I trust that guy? And they screwed me over and they didn't pay me. And well, why? this person took advantage of me, but you know what? It, I was really mad at myself for so many years. And then at, when I hit 40, I'm just barely over 40. When I hit 40, I remember thinking back of all the relationships I got for that very same reason is because I believed the good in people. And at the end of the day, when you look at both sides of the coin, I think the, the benefit outweighed the negative and I think that I wish I could have been a little bit uh, pickier on how how quickly I trusted people, but at the same time, you know, that allowed me to have a lot of great people in my life. So I don't think I answered your question at all but I kind of
0: did. I think, I think you did. Um, You know, I think you really did. And I think that that's a great point that you make as well. I mean, something that has helped your career so much, obviously, you know, it can't always be positive. You know, there were a few negative moments where trusting someone too much, you know, putting too much faith in someone, you know, didn't result um, for the best, but for the most part um, it did work out. Um, And of course, everybody's journey is different. Uh, There's no one playbook of doing something. Uh, whether you're trying to go into the same industry as you or, you know, do something completely different. You know, the playbook always changes. Uh, but I love just hearing what worked for you and love that you were able to share all this today, Jason. Yeah. So I just want to say it was a pleasure. Um, this thank interview you. really, really means a lot. Um, it's, it was a special one. And I know that it was special because it was special to me and all of our listeners are going to be able to learn so much from this. So thank you so much.
1: Absolutely. It was my pleasure. I appreciate
0: you having me on. Of course, Jason. Have a nice week. All right. Have a good one. See ya. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for streaming our exclusive interview with Jason of Beverly Hills. If you enjoyed this episode and want more content like this, make sure to visit www.intheir20s.com. Also, thank you so much to our amazing sponsors, Gluey and Collectible. Gluey is the first exclusive marketplace that bridges the gap between brands and creators to connect, collaborate, and execute campaigns all-in-one platform. Learn about how you can find a new stream of income as a creator at www.glue.ee and also Collectible, which is the number one fractional investing platform for sports. You can purchase affordable shares in iconic blue chip cards and memorabilia that were previously only reserved for wealthy insiders. Learn more at www.collectible.com. See you soon.